Hello and welcome to another Tech Plus. We're ready to unpack this week's biggest tech stories. As always, Jan with you for the next 60 minutes and joined by Kane. Kane, how's it going, man? How was your week? Good. It's nice to be on the weekend. Yeah, you had a busy week. A busy week, hey? Busy week. My uh, generator packed up. What? Yeah. How? It's, you see, just like my UPS that we spoke about last week, which I sent in, by the way, for a refund. And I got the refund. Oh, really? From Take Lot. The new one's already on the way. Oh, my word. You see, I don't sleep, eh? No. (laughs) But uh, what happened to your generator? It's obviously being overused. What do you think? What do you think it could be? Sabotage. Oh, good question. You know, when I I got the generator the first time, it was, you know, 10,000 rand generator. Nothing too crazy. Just a 2,200 kVA. Within a week, it packed up. And, I th- oh, yeah. and, and it packed I up in a way that felt like there wasn't enough fuel getting to the engine. So so the fuel line, eh? Fuel line. And because of these generators, because of the warranties, if you do happen to start taking apart the carb or, you know, really start looking for issues, you could avoid warranty. So there is really one option, which is to take it in. So I took it in. They gave me a new one. This was a few months ago. And now the same thing happened again. Mm. But uh, I ended up deciding just to get a battery inverter, finally pull the trigger on it. What can you do now with that generator? Is it completely useless now? What can you do with it? Well, I took it to fix it. I took it to builders, and they told me three to five weeks it's going to okay. take for them to send it to PE. I imagine. So you got an inverter now. An inverter. Now yeah. tell us about your inverter. How's it working? How much did it cost? If you don't mind, sure. Telling us. So when I when I decide because it wasn't just a, a hash decision. No, it, it a, shouldn't be. Yeah. There was a lot of calculations that went into how much power I was using. And I was fortunate enough to have a generator that also showed me my draw, so I knew oh. exactly what I was getting myself into in terms of how much. How power much were I'm you using. drawing, by the way? Look, we have quite a big office. There's probably about five screens, two PCs, laptop chargers, routers, internet lights, and a few other things. So we, you know, on a on a on a just a relaxed work environment, mm-hmm. probably about 120 to 220 watts. Nothing to brag about. I was expecting more. Wow, well, that's not bad. That's some very relaxed usage. You know, if we start using a little bit more, we're going to hit 300 watts. And if we maxed out, like using as much as we can, we're going to hit about 500. So when you switch watts. on the hair dryer and the toaster, no, hair dryer and toaster <laughs> would decimate the system. <laughs> no, we so it's about five, and I think typically most people with one computer probably use about 120 to 200 watts. Hmm. A heavy user is going to use about 500 watts. Wow! So okay. I needed something that could last a maximum of four hours during load shedding at mm. 500 watts, and that that was the goal. So that's what we what we set out on doing. Now we had to choose a battery as well, so we had a choice between lead acid gel battery, um, uh, tubular and lithium ion jeez i didn't know you get that much it is, many it's very interesting to choose from okay and did you choose okay lithium what's it lithium iron yeah lithium iron yes that's the best one isn't it and yeah, the most expensive it, one. It kind of goes, lead acid is like your bottom of the range. Yeah. Will do the job, most car batteries. Then you have gel batteries, which are a little bit better. We'll have a few more cycles. Then mm. you get this new kind of battery called a tubular battery, which what? is very interesting. They're very heavy. Um, if you had a 1,000-watt uh, 1, uh, tubular in a battery, compare it to a, a, a similar lithium battery, it's probably double the weight. So it's about 50 kgs a battery. For a tubular battery, and it's also Your very interesting because 50 kgs, it's heavy. Yeah, it is, it's very heavy, <laughs> and you need like two of them. That's so 100 kilograms. Yeah, it's very heavy. That's like carrying me, I reckon. But it performs <laughs> on the level of uh, lithium ion, so wow. it was a consideration. And they have weird maintenance as well when it starts running low. Or when they have indicators on them, and when it goes to the red, you actually go take some distilled water and you refill it with distilled water. Very interesting. Yo, it sounds like a fancy thing. It's, it's very like interesting. It, like it went to private school or something. So tubular is generally bat- better than a gel, and then you have lithium. So we chose lithium just because of the life cycles. Yeah. You know, do you want a battery that's going to last you a year or 10 years? Mm-hmm. And that's really the decision you make. As long as they iron. don't catch fire. Yes. Because lithium on fire is a problem. Yes, so I got a 24 volt, um, 100 amp hour lithium battery, mm-hmm. which is about 2,500 kVA. And in a way, it kind of just replaced the battery. You send me a picture. You send me a picture. So, like on the table, you've got this machine. Is that the actual inverter? That's the inverter. It's a a Mesa, isn't it? Yes. And then 
on the floor was that your batteries that's the battery is that like One in battery. A, is it like in a box or no it's like a suitcase almost oh, okay but okay. it's in, it's also pretty heavy it's about 27 kgs okay and then it runs into the inverter which is on your table yes and then does your inverter then have plugs or how does it get to your computer do you plug it in directly with a kettle plug as they call it or so it's actually very simple i mean if you've ever built a pc or worked on a pc it's, it's much simpler than that it's battery cables go from the battery to the inverter if you have two batteries you're going to have one set of cables that go from a battery to the inverter and another set of cables that go to the other battery so that's generally the setup and uh it it works it works really well but do not be mistaken you know you think it's just a battery it's going to do its job and if you've worked with lead acid batteries before like a car battery you're pretty confident around it but we tested the voltage on that Mm, mm. with the multimeter yeah and uh obviously we're testing a 2500 kva battery so when we when we touched the two points the multimeter to read it it was such a, a an intense arc of electricity that it melted the multimeter's indicator reading thing. Oh, thank goodness melted it doesn't it, go through you. <laughs> soldered it, and it was a massive spark. Hectic. So there's a lot of power in there, and I think that's what some people underestimate. You want to get yeah. a very big system, the biggest system that you can get, mm-hmm. but it is truly a lot of power going through that system in a, in a way that we're not used to. You know, you don't really see electricity like that. To give you an example, mm-hmm. um, if you were to plug solar panels into most inverters some of them have a range of 100 amps and your earth leakage in your house most houses will be equipped with a 60 amp yeah yeah circuit board mm-hmm. so it can handle 60 amps through their house nothing more yeah so the fact that you can charge your inverter with 100 amps shows you that there's more power that can go from solar panels to an inverter than there is most houses that can provide electricity to appliances. And you start getting an idea of how much power is actually involved in these these systems, especially your... I mean, we're talking about a 2 kVA. Imagine a 20 kVA, 30 Mm -hmm. kVA. A friend of mine in Joburg just got quoted on a 30 kVA system. Do you know how much? It's it's about 300,000 rand. (laughs) Yeah, it's not cheap. (laughs) Like a mortgage on the house. Yeah. But this battery worked out relatively relatively cheap. Um, But the battery industry in South Africa is... It's booming. Booming and all over the place. I actually read a study that there was already, I think, something ridiculous, like 20 billion rands worth of batteries in 2022. Yeah. Or, Or... kilograms about i'm not exactly sure what the statistic was but the, it is booming but all the load shedding solutions even on on uh, online platforms like take a lot there's always like sold out or like 10 left or whatever because of the rate they're selling at it's almost like they can't keep up and the overpriceness is absolutely crazy yeah demand is exceeding supply and yes absolutely what you're saying it's it's really overpriced because they know we need it they know we're desperate, and what, what are we going to do? We're going to pay. And here's the stat. 12 billion rand of lithium batteries were imported in 2022. In South Africa? Yeah. Goodness There gracious. was actually an article by My Broadband that was speaking about what they called South Africa's massive battery problem. And what they're actually talking about is very interesting because what they're saying, at least from what I read, is they're basically saying that because people are importing all of these batteries... It's not money that's circulating around South Africa. First of all, ESCOM's not really getting paid, so that's money. I think South Africa refer, uh, uh, reported their first deficit of cash flow for this quarter, which is something that hasn't happened in a, in a while. And they, they assume that this is because a lot of people are importing batteries from all over the place. And reality is, especially after you know doing your, your research into the inverter systems and the battery systems, you quickly realize that what you're actually buying is something that is the same between all the inverters and all the batteries. They're just branded differently because mm. the technology for the battery is being imported. It is then had a few additions added to it, and then it is rebranded and, and mm-hmm. sold as a full unit. Yeah, and that's most of the most of the cases. Um, I think most inverters are expert inverters, which is the type of inverter that it is. And okay. then you have all these different brands that label them differently. Hmm. And uh, what 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 was actually being said in this article, which I found very interesting, was they were saying that the only way to really combat this is to bring South Africa into the supply chain. From a mineral acquisition level, also from a, a manufacturing level, to mine the minerals necessary to create lithium batteries, to to manufacture lithium batteries and then sell it inside of South Africa. That's what they say is the next step in order to combat this this heavy 
um, you know, off-ramp of cash that's going into other places. And also, everybody that buys an inverter and a solar system and a battery is no longer using ESCOM, which means ESCOM's mm-hmm. revenue goes down. Now, you might yeah. say, well, I only use like a thousand rand of electricity a month, but across 30, 40 million people, yeah. it can Adds be... up, yeah. And more than that, remember we spoke about it the other week, China, in one year, with 2.4 million citizens installing solar in their homes, they were able to add 50 gigawatts of power, Wow! which is almost double what South Africa generates entirely, like from coal, nuclear, everything. Sure. And uh, that's the power of Puts the sun. things into perspective, eh? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, talking about perspective, have you heard of MTI? No, MTN. MTN, yes, <laughs> but not MTI. Hey, can I just, before you before I forget. Yes. Okay, I know you want to talk about MTI, but before I forget, can we just say well done to MTN for finally getting their towers fixed during load shedding. Oh, really? Is it fixed? Much better. Really? It lasts right through the two hours, and it doesn't go to 3G or whatever the lower it is. It stays on 4G. So they did something to their towers. Well, at least here in the in the CX area. That's good because... So the, well done. The infrastructure here across all the networks is very poor. Yeah, no, they did something. I can tell. Definitely we should, we with should the find signal. out what it is and talk about they it. They must have added something or upgraded something. A big I've battery. noticed it. Yeah. I'm very, very uh, impressed. Well done. Well done. And you carry on with MTI. Who's it? What is MTI? So I was asking the exact same question as you're asking now. When a friend of mine came to me and they said, you know, we used to have a lot of money, but then we lost it all in MTI. And I said, you know, that's, that's really strange. I've never heard of MTI. What is it? And they said it was a cryptocurrency Ponzi scheme that they invested Oopsie. into. And uh, that's when I first heard about it. And I always thought to myself, you know, as someone who's involved in, in the crypto industry, you would think that if someone were to get scammed and at such a level mm. that we're, and we're going to talk about it now with MTI, it would come across someone like Myers Radar. And I always used to tell, you know, people around me, like, if, if you want to get into crypto and you're going to go put a lot of money into things that aren't even the norm in the industry and people who are veterans in the industry have never heard of before <laughs> you, you're probably going to run into a problem yeah definitely so now MTI has been labeled uh, South Africa's biggest pyramid scheme in history yeah. and they've also been ordered to now pay 63.6 billion rand all right so mti or mirror trading international ceo johann steinberg has been ordered to pay close to 3.5 billion dollars now they ran a pyramid scheme whereby users would deposit they would be promised interest of up to 10 percent and uh, what they were doing was when another user deposited they used that deposit as payout for the people and they gave lots of bonuses and stuff if you referred other people but no one knew about it totally not a pyramid scheme no (laughs) but people thought that the money was the interest rate was real they thought Mm. and that's understandable it's relatable because you think you hear crypto this technology advancements that here's something that's making 10% interest I have to get into it it might just be the next big thing and uh, no one really knew until someone infiltrated the MTI code and actually identified what was happening behind the scenes and it was at that point that the CEO uh, disappeared to Brazil how convenient <laughs> he disappeared for about a year and then a year later he was arrested and he's still in brazil prison sure. and uh yeah now it's been it's been noted one of the biggest ponzi schemes in south africa's history straight out of south africa so and you you reckon a lot of people lost a lot of money i know i know people who lost a lot of money from it. that's the thing and not you a little actually bit actually know people i like, know people like who were hurt by it big, big bucks like life savings kind of money oh no like yeah, that's everything worst, you eh? have in a bag and the bag stolen you know that's that's the that's seriousness of this and it was so bad in fact that even foreign investors got sucked in <laughs> so the pressure wasn't majority coming from south africa's regulators it actually started coming majority from u.s regulatory entities because their citizens were the ones that were affected and that obviously caused a huge a huge scene so that's that's mti kind of trying to recuperate those funds and the reason i wanted to speak about it today is because maybe just maybe if you were one of those people that were hit by mti's ponzi scheme they are recuperating money to give back to people who lost money 
Um, at least that's what USA is trying to do. Yes, but how would you how would you get it back? If it's spent, that's the other thing. That's the thing. It's already in the system. You know, you can't go... It's already it, circulating no. elsewhere. Imagine you're selling a mansion and someone buys it from you. You have the money. You, you don't have a mansion. No one can come to you and say you need to give that money back that this person exactly. paid for the mansion. So I don't know how they re- recover it. Reco- I think it's asset recovery and liquidating the assets. And yeah, probably. Probably trying to freeze funds that are currently in circulation with sure. the representatives that's of the company. That's a mess. Like it a spider a web, eh? It is a it's a massive mess. Mm. Um, and so yep. is a possible stage nine load shedding. For winter, apparently, For eh? winter. Because uh, we can see them sickling a bit now. I mean, winter is not even here yet properly. I mean, this weekend, the weather's just absolutely fine here in the Western Cape. So, you know, we're not getting the near zero degrees Celsius, all the snow on the mountains and all that stuff where people actually use their heaters and heavy usage yet. And we already seen uh, stage six, should have been stage eight actually, uh, recently. When was it last week? Mm. This week we didn't go. Did we have stage six this week? I remember it was four three, four three, four three. F- it felt tamer this week, no yeah, doubt. A bit better. So what the heck is going to happen when the real winter chill sets in? Well, that's what energy expert Clyde Mallison was saying. Um, he said ESCOM faces an eleven thousand megawatt electricity shortfall during winter, which will result in about two thousand megawatt load curtailment and stage nine load shedding what what he's basically saying is we don't usually have 11,000 megawatts less than we should it's usually much less than that it can be between you know every thousand megawatts is essentially a stage of load shedding yes that's right um but we do have facilities and faculties in place to generate power like our octs the diesel mm. generators and things they like usually that. save us a bit there is a couple thousand megawatts there then there's also other things. So when it talks about load curtailment, what it's actually talking about is there's certain businesses, and it, it sounds funny to say this, but there's certain businesses that can absolutely not survive without power, like mining. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So load curtailment is really but the process whereby instead of shutting down the mine and the power to the mine, they force or at least try pressure the mine into using as little energy as possible or at least trying to incentivize it as best they can um, which is kind of sad because every south african is getting load shed has it in a, a very tough time working and uh, it doesn't i don't think it just applies to mining but i can understand that it's very important because if you don't have your machinery to mine you ain't mining it's not like you're just going to go pick up a pickaxe and start mining you know so all this in consideration, what this energy expert Clyde did was he looked at the historical information. He looked at data and he saw what was the demand for electricity at certain stages of the previous years. And he noted that in June, July area, that's when the highest demand for power is. So he says in that region, we might have that 11,000 megawatt shortfall, which is literally just based off of previous years. So it's coming. And there's also some other energy experts that says um, ESCOM hasn't improved drastically over the last period. So it would be, you know, kind of hopeful to just assume that that's not going to be the case. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. But I, I, I know a lot of people are going off grid now. It's, mm-hmm. If something like this happens, it's going to be It's almost like a, there's a sense of urgency now to do it. It's almost like people it's like number one priority right now get off the grid get off the grid spoke to some real estate agents as well and they say the first thing nowadays the question that they get from potential home buyers is is it solar is it off grid that's the first question they get not does it have a sea view <laughs> is it off grid that's there, the first question yeah, not there's Fair three enough. bedrooms but why is there only one bathroom no it's no, no, fine no solar <laughs> doesn't have solar <laughs> Which, you you see, there's a sense of urgency. But, I mean, Kane, what you're saying now is a bit concerning because um, if you look at the ESCOM's push app and you look at the stages, I mean, it ends at stage 8. We've never had any uh, stages higher. And if you look at stage 8, you have load shedding three times a day and all of those three slots, they're all four hours. So what does... So that's a lot of four-hour slots and uh, there's a bit of a break in between of mm, not even four hours in between them. So... What would stage nine look like then if stage eight looks like that? Hey, you're gonna have like five hours of power, and I don't think they will reveal that it is in fact stage nine or ten. No, they won't because it hurts the rand. Yeah, it hurts the rand. 
And the rand is actually very weak at the moment. I think we had an Tell me about it. Yeah. Rand a dollar. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's really nice. Um, We've got to go for, for some music and then we come back. And then we come back. We met in December. Welcome back to uh, Tech Plus. If you just joined us, it's uh, Jan with you and also Kane, uh, busy talking about uh, this week's biggest tech stories. Just before uh, the music, we spoke about load shedding. What's next on the agenda, Kane? Amazon's doing well. We know they're trying to come to South Africa. They know we know they've had some some layoffs, quite a number. Every tech company is basically laying off at the moment. But mm. however, Amazon has had a good quarter. The company reported revenues of 127.4 billion, which is quite a number of money. Solid, yeah. Um, in just Q1 2023, so now it starts mm. <laughs> it starts making sense how much money we're talking about, which beat analyst expectations that the company would bring in only 124 billion. So the stock is up 11% in after hours trading. However, it hasn't been all good news at the company. It has currently laid off about 100 employees in Amazon Studios and Prime Video, which I feel like I'm someone who watches Prime Video. Yeah, even Prime, eh? I, I thought it was doing well. <laughs> Same. I thought it was it's all doing these well. tech companies. It's almost like they employ way too many people. They got really excited during the COVID boom. Excited, yeah. I think they got way... They do Over-ambitious. I mean, you thought it's time to grow. It's time to grow. Don't get left behind. Let's go all in. And now it's all snip, snip. Yeah, and that's not the only tech company hit. I mean, Amazon is laying off stuff, but they're still making profit. Someone who hasn't made profit is Intel. Mm. So Intel has lost about $2.8 billion just in the last quarter. Q1 results are out. 
Um, we knew the PC market was still struggling and Intel's actually under the 40% revenue dip at forecast alongside January's uh, $7.7 billion loss, but that's still a lot of money to lose. Intel says it's still on track to ship um, to ship more and, and hopefully get, get some more revenue in, but it's because they have a lot of inventory. There's, there's, there's a chip shortage, yes, but at the same time, they've overproduced. And you know tech. We actually did an analysis on tech um, recently. So if you had bought a PC, let's say you spent 13,000 Rand on a motherboard, a processor, and some RAM for your computer, right? Just three components of your computer, which is a very essential part of the computer. Other components would be like power supply, graphics card, hard drive, but none of those things are quite as essential as the central processing unit, the CPU, and along with it, the motherboard, which everything else, graphics card and everything plugs into, and uh, and your RAM, which acts as your random access memory that can help your computer move information from a process over to the, the process to be processed, to then be sent back to you to, to receive that information. So if you had spent 13,000 Rand five years ago, today, if you spent 6,000 Rand, you would get something that performs 30% better than it did at 13,000 Rand five years ago. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's, quite, that's quite a lot. So when you hear about a tech company like Intel being stuck with inventory, they got to move quick because it is just a matter of time but before that tech is no longer worth what it used to be worth. And there are people that can sell something for less that can perform better. At that point, they make their losses. So if there is going to be a big push from Intel. And I'm not complaining because it, PC stuff is really, really high in price at the moment. There was a time mm-hmm. where you could spend 12,000 Rand or 15,000 Rand and you could get yourself a proper computer that's set up nicely and is truly top of the range. Nowadays, you could spend 100,000 Rand and you would maybe be in the top 5% of performance on a consumer level. That's a big jump. That's a, that's a big jump. So it is, it is very expensive and we can see the big boys taking hits. So, you know, something to keep an eye on. Definitely some signs of the tech, tech, tech um, purchase uh, behavioral reduction. We're not seeing as many people purchasing tech. And, uh, and that's very interesting. You would think it would be exponential growth. But think about it. A new iPhone comes out every year. A new Samsung <laughs> coming out every year. Mm-hmm. And sometimes even two in one year. Yeah. And uh, what another analysis that's been done is the tech that comes out. So in, in the past, let's look at GPUs, for example. In the past, GPUs are, have series. So it'll be called 10, ser- uh, 10 series, 20 series, 30 series, 40 series. That, that dictates the last four years worth of GPUs. There was a time where if you upgraded from one generation of graphics card to another, you would see unprecedented change, unprecedented boost in performance. But now we're at the point where it's actually not the case anymore because the tech is so expensive compared to what it was purchased for. To give you an example, I bought a top of the line setup five years ago for 12,500. That was the top of the line setup. Now, five years later, if I want to buy a top of the line setup, at the same equivalent mm-hmm. to what I bought five years ago, it cost me 20,000 Rand. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, even though it would perform vastly better, the cost of price, uh, the cost of tech to actually get top performing equipment is, is considerably more expensive. Mm. And, and between one generation and, an, and another, the improvement isn't drastic enough to validate triple yeah. the price for a third better performance. You know what I'm saying? So that, that's currently a very interesting next few months and, and potentially a year that we're going to see the tech, you know, equipment market maybe evolve a little bit. I kind of feel sorry for the gamers. Yeah. Because they, like, really rely on their specs, you know, when it comes to computers. Yeah. I mean, you, so you can't be a poor gamer. You need to no. Have, you, <laughs> you, there's no such thing as a poor gamer. You need to have uh, some money to game. To, to really have the top-level top experience. experience. Yeah. I mean, you could spend, honestly, you could spend 30,000 Rand on a computer today and you wouldn't be able to play at 4K resolution, Mm. like in a way that you feel is truly top-notch performance. You're going to have to spend just the GPU, probably about 30,000, 40,000 Rand, just on the GPU. And you've got 10 other components that are equally quite expensive to get. It's pricey. It is 100% pricey. And talking about things that are maybe not pricey, but costly, 
Remember Netflix password sharing crackdown? Yeah, is that still happening? That's still happening, but it's but gone not, not so good in Spain. I'm sure. So after their um, <laughs> password sharing crackdown, they've lost one million users out of Spain. They just said, "I'm not. I'm not. I don't want a Netflix subscription. I don't like your password sharing crackdown. I'm out." Fair enough. And uh, it is. It's. It is fair enough. It's honestly fair enough. And that will do more damage than getting your extra forty rand or a hundred rand out of one person. Is you now make nothing from them. Yeah, I could have told you that like many. You ago. you cancelled your subscription in a similar time frame, didn't you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When you started hearing about the crackdowns and. Yeah, well, that's yeah. It was before that I kind of felt that the content was just not good. No. Not enough original content, so I cancelled it just after Ozark ended. So I just wanted to watch Ozark's final uh, season. And then you were happy. <laughs> and then I was ha- happy. But now I'm kind of sharing a, a subscription with somebody. I share my Disney Plus with her. And she shares my her Netflix with me. But uh, I only use Disney Plus. I rarely go onto Netflix. Yeah. It's, 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 it's nothing taking... really. Maybe, I just, maybe I'm just not in touch with what's on Netflix at the moment. I don't watch a lot of TV anymore, hey? No, me either. Ain't got no time. And, <laughs> and when I got time, it's low shitting. <laughs> <laughs> Conveniently placed. Yeah, so, yeah. That is crazy. That is crazy. So, uh, I feel sorry also for Netflix. Because password sharing is a big thing across all the streaming platforms. Netflix is just kind of the first people to really try to make a, a change to their own revenue with it. And it's... It's a dire circumstance because you make people consider like, okay, I'm currently paying for Netflix and my few family members, we might be five or six of us. So we would each have to pay 150 rand. So you start looking at the service like, is it worth a thousand rand a month? That's the problem with DSTV. It's great content, but is it worth a thousand rand a month? Is it worth that rugby match? Will they lose anyway? I think a rugby fan would strongly agree. It's like, <laughs> I would pay more. <laughs> but but just, go, just go watch at your friend's place and then maybe share the subscription for the rugby if you're only watching the sport, eh? Yeah. I mean, that would be more economical. But I mean, DSTV, they've got streaming packages now as well and they're trying to sell that to me. They not keep phoning me. You're not interested? No. <laughs> it's just streaming packages, so it's cheaper than getting it via satellite. But... I mean, no, it's still the same content. There's nothing but reruns, and by the time a movie is there and Mnet says, you know, it's brand new, it's it's not really brand new anymore. It's been seen. And if you think of the evolution of cable, there was a time... Cable, yeah. There was a time where you would have your TV on, but there would be nothing to watch. Not as yeah. in there was nothing good to watch. There was nothing. You don't have a, VC, a, a VCR tape. You don't have... Uh, uh, anything going over the the radio frequency like SABC broadcasts and things like that there wasn't any of that so when cable came out and they said our unique selling point is there's never nothing playing it's very attractive but now there is so much that you can watch independently that there is no scenario that could exist where your TV is on and there's nothing to watch yeah and there's no ad breaks which is great so there's always something streaming just streaming and streaming and streaming. Hey, listen, no I'm not going to lie. Those no ad breaks make you binge like crazy. Yep. You know? I have to pause sometimes because <laughs> you've got to go to the bathroom or, you know, fill up the snacks. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? At the same time, it was also nice watching uh, traditional TV now, like in, in the 90s and early 2000s, where they kind of dish it up for you. You know, you're just in front of the TV, just chilling. You don't really want to pick Force something. Force fed so, content. So you're just, you're, you're just watching stuff like late night reruns of Jerry Springer. <laughs> by the way, uh, by the way, uh, Jerry Springer, that was quite a show. Uh, he actually passed away this I week. I heard about that. That was Shame. very sad. That was uh, I very think sad. 79 or something. Oh, my But he, he was quite a legend in his own right, you he know, was. with those shows. You know, like, you would have crazy topics like, help, I married my sister. Or, <laughs> or, <laughs> and then you would have these guests that you never know, is it, like, real or, <laughs> or not? And then the, he would also have, like, the audience members, the, the female audience members flashing the camera but they block it out and then i think the one with the best display gets like a prize or something at the end of the show that's i didn't know about that it was that show was extreme man it was the, <laughs> it was it was off the charts off man. the charts <laughs> but yeah legendary tv stuff eh? and then wow. yeah i mean yeah you know i read something so interesting about ai it was quite funny. It was just an observation because we keep speaking about it, like there is just AI everywhere. We can't get away from it. You put your head under a hole and there's AI yep. under the hole. So yeah. 
TikTok is the one of the one of the people they've now launched they are now launching what they call generative AI avatars so basically what it means is you can give TikTok 5 to 15 photos of you it crunches the numbers and it will give you a couple of different um like artistic versions of yourself they look like art right it's like you drawn or in all these different styles some might look like a very realistic video game while others might look like a really cool painting and it kind of goes across that range and you can pick your own ai avatar and uh, there's nothing really crazy about that but it just shows you even the biggest of companies are getting into it and uh, and starting to use it i don't know would you have a tiktok ai avatar if it looked like a really cool drawn version of you yeah sure why not i know i've checked gpt on my phone eh really yeah and I, I ask it questions. And? Is it good? Very good. Is it, eh? Yeah. It is impressive. It's yeah, not- and it's got attitude. Like, <laughs> I promise you, last night I was, I can't remember what I typed in. You know, it was nothing ridiculous, but it kind of actually said, I'm all worn out now. Please try again later. <laughs> it's almost like the chat GPT said it's tired. It, it, it just wants a break because I asked a lot of questions. And it was almost like... Give me a break. Well, funny know? enough, I was doing an experiment where I was trying to get something generated with AI. So I, I chat GBT, of course. And I said, you know, do this for me. Yeah. I, th- I think I said, write an outreach email for me to speak to an influencer. Mm-hmm. So it wrote me an outreach message. And I said, that's great. But can we change this? Can we change that? And it changed it. And I said, wow. can we change this and this? And it changed it. But it wasn't quite hitting the mark for me. So, mm. I, so I rewrote it. And I said, here's my version. And yeah. I gave it to him. And I was like, take this and make something better. And it wrote something else, and I said, change this, change that, and, and it changed it. You're and kind of I, helping it, Kay. That's and then nice. I, I brought it back, and I rewrote it all again, and I said, here's my version. And then it said, great, let me make one as well, and they made one. And then on the third time, I rewrote it again, and I said, here is my version. And it said, fine, here's my version, <laughs> and shot one back at me. It said it like that. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, bro. It's feisty, eh? didn't know you were sentient, Yeah, it's, it's, it's feisty, eh? And I was like, it's okay, I'm like sorry. It's like, no problem. It's almost like it's got a, an attitude there. Bit of a, yeah, sassy. It's quite sassy. Sassy got angry with it. Didn't like my versions. Kept coming <laughs> Fine. <up>. Yes, well, <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm, I'm stunned, actually. It eh? is quite crazy. But there's been another a person that was on Reddit. He spent three hours and he created an AI-generated pizza ad. So he used, he scripted the ad with ChatGPT4. Uh, he created the media for the ad with MidJourney, and he created the video with something called Runways Gen 2, and he did 11 labs for the voiceover. And in three hours, he produced a TV commercial for pizza. It is horrifying. It is absolutely bad. horrific to look at. It's actually quite a good ad because of how horrifying it is. Can you describe how does it? I want to go watch it. Uh, ask someone to describe. Ask someone who's never seen someone eating food to draw someone eating food. It's like they hold the pizza the same distance away from their mouth, and their mouth just moves, and the pizza just like. Oh my word! It, it's not that's creepy. It, it doesn't follow physics. That's what makes it so weird. Oh, okay. The, the pizza can. It's a bit of a fine tuning. It there. is so difficult to describe because it is the thing about AI is it can do whatever you want for it, and it might do it very well or it might do it very wrong. But mm. whatever it does, it's going to do it to the best of its ability. Yeah. So someone, when someone is designing or maybe drawing a cartoon about someone eating, they won't get very far into the process before they realize that. That maybe the way they've drawn this video or made the video isn't quite hitting reality and you know? mm, it doesn't mm. look quite right ai it doesn't care it will, it will polish that video till it shines <laughs> and it's just wrong it's super <laughs> wrong and it's polished wrong wow you know but i like how you you're helping ai to be better you actually take the time to help the bot and improve its writing skills. I think the people that That's are nice. going to be the best behind the seat of AI are going to be the professionals that are already doing the job. I can't go to AI and ask it to start giving me um, blogs for um, so- something that I'm very inexperienced in, like golfing. I can't go ask AI to to, to start creating images and media for how to play golf mm, mm. because I have no experience in it, so it's not going to be that great. So maybe if I am a very professional golfer and I used it as an employee to create content, that's one thing. But it's also profession-specific. A videographer using AI is going to be able to repurpose that mm. base media that it's given it back 
to them and repurpose it and edit it and make it look pretty and send it back to the internet 10 mm. times better. Yeah. Whereas a normal average every everyday Joe is going to have a hard time getting it to the next step in the development process, whether That's it's it, yeah. written content, whether it's video content, whether it's 3D modeling, the people with the experience are going to be the best at it because they know what they're working with. They've worked with different things and they're going to be able to customize and adjust. It's like if you're offering services to businesses and you're offering a super high professional service, but you've got a bunch of amateurs that are doing all the work. But before it goes from the amateurs to the high net worth clients, you work on it yourself. Mm, you mm. make it better. You bring it up That's to the it. standard. And then you send it out. Yeah. The clients, none the wiser. The clients happy. Mm. You just use the the amateur staff to to do the bulk of the work. Yeah. Get just it in a bit front of the of structure. You. Yeah. And to, you just fine tune to it to do the mundane stuff. Yeah. So that that that's where where AI I think is gonna is gonna be really good. It's when it's behind the the professionals. And then when we come back, um, we're gonna talk about an AT and T backed satellite. We spoke about 3G mobile data and AT&T has released a new satellite, the biggest 3G or 2G capable satellite in history. And we're also going to be talking about what happened after the SpaceX Starship blew up. Oh, okay. Yeah. When we come back. Posting pictures in my favorite bar With some new dude Doing shots with her under his arm I don't like the way that she's smiling Like she ain't even trying to hide it She's happy and I hate it Hate it, hate it Acting like I've never seen her naked Naked Welcome back to uh, Tech Plus. We're in the final stretch. Kane, you've got a lot to tell us. A lot. AT&T, which is like the Vodacom of America, right? It's, a, yeah, it's yeah. another mobile company and cell company. They uh, they backed a, sat- uh, backed a startup that was building a satellite that can pick up regular phone signals from space. Something that's never been done before. Never before has uh, a mobile connection or a voice connection between two people been facilitated by a satellite opposed to a mobile tower so it's a groundbreaking a groundbreaking phone call between texas and japan has occurred that could eventually help set the stage for globally accessible space-based cellular networks 
AST Space Mobile, a Texas-based satellite manufacturer, announced on Tuesday that it had successfully routed an audio call between two standard cell phones directly through its Blue Walker 3 or BW3 satellite in low Earth orbit, which is a breakthrough that could prove uh, that could improve global cellular connectivity in remote regions without access to cell towers. It's pretty impressive. Satellites are far away, mm. and this particular satellite is massive. It's it's that's absolutely massive. I think it has over ten thousand antennae, separate antennae, Yo. and uh, it's not like a, a, a your car antennae. It's it's Yo. special chips and things I'm like that. Sure, yeah. um, but it can pick up signals from up to a thousand miles away. A thousand miles away. Imagine being a thousand miles away from a cell phone tower. That's like being a Nisden and saying, hold on, I'm making a phone call. I'm just connecting to the Joburg cell phone tower real quick. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's a, wow. it's a mighty distance. Yeah. Um, and that, that's a big breakthrough because that means in your really remote regions, which are like very far away from cell towers and also very low density populations, guys that could be a kilometer or three kilometers between each other, um, there's no real incentive for someone to manufacture a massive cell tower in that area because it's only going to facilitate 30 people. Mm. But if you put it in a town, it's going to facilitate 60,000 people. You know, So it's a big breakthrough there for, for these places with low reception. And because of load shedding, I can't wait for a solar panel, I mean a satellite solar panel solar tower where you can just call from anywhere, it goes up into the satellite, goes back down, doesn't have to hit... Um, doesn't have to do the ground areas and the sat- there's not a cable running up to the satellite so load shedding is not going to affect it it's powered by the sun it has a big solar array as well exactly and uh, that does sound like the future to me tastes like the future it does <laughs> have, you, have you noticed what happens when you're on a phone call a normal phone call not whatsapp call a normal cellular phone call and load shedding kicks in or it comes back on the power no I haven't the call just drops gone yeah cheers yeah <laughs> nice so call. whether the power goes off or it comes back on it drops that call completely have you noticed I've noticed that I have seen that once or twice I thought maybe it's just ill timing but it's no. definitely happened the other yeah. things that have happened is sometimes the call is extremely muffled it's yeah. like <laughs> robotic almost it's like someone's put their shirt across their mouth and they're speaking to me on the phone you know <laughs> oh it's like i can hardly hear them and then you're like okay let me just call Decoded. them on whatsapp and it's perfect clarity it's like, what even <laughs> happened so this is very interesting um this is about spacex and and what we're going to talk about now is the something we covered last week we we were there actually we were talking about it like the day the space uh spacex's starship launched into the atmosphere successful launch that's all they wanted because it was the biggest um spaceship ever ever in history launched um that's also supposed to come back to ground but that wasn't the case for starship what happened with starship is it launched and then blew up in the air in simple terms it launched it was doing fine went into the atmosphere and blew up and then they started looking at what actually caused this mm. problem mm. Um, because there were reports of also a lots and lots and lots of dust that was moving into neighboring communities. There was even a car nearby that got debris landed on it. Oh, my God. Yeah, no one was hurt. Like a luckily. piece of rock or what? Yeah, rock. <laughs> and this is the oh thing. Word. Imagine. So space, uh, 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 SpaceX, they were going to launch this massive starship. And uh, what they had to do was also consider the different variables of launching such a massive object and that's something that i didn't expect because you have to launch this massively heavy object you need more power and when you need more power your launch pad needs to be more more capable of taking that power Mm. some argue that a launch pad is as complicated as a spaceship right as a space rocket it is as complicated because all that energy to get it off the ground is just hitting the launch pad. Exactly. Yeah. So SpaceX was developing a new type of launch pad that they believed was would be capable of handling the thrust and heat generated from the launch of their Starship uh, spacecraft. However, the launch pad wasn't ready. And Elon Musk, in true Elon Musk fashion... The, f- the 20th of April was fast approaching, which mm. he loves because it's 420, which yes. a lot of people will know is 420. <laughs> yeah, so 420, inst- yeah. instead of saying, we don't have the launch pad, um, maybe we shouldn't launch on 420. He said, no, it's 420, we launch. And they didn't have the launch pad ready. So what happened is when that rocket took off, 
the sheer amount of heat that was created was assumed that at least for one launch, it would, the launch pad would be fine. Just mm. for one launch, it wasn't the case. The heat kind of blasted the concrete of the launch pad, which then created cracks. And then because there was this massive thrust of heat and chemicals, those chemicals were driven into the cracks of the concrete and, and started making debris. There's a special word for it in, in space travel, um, or at least lo- launching lo- rockets, that spun up while it was launching. And they believe that potentially some of that debris made contact with some of their engines because oh. only, I think, four or five or six of their engines weren't operating when it had launched. I think of a total of 12 engines, only eight were working when it got off the ground. And because of that, just that simple issue, it causes a chain reaction. So Starship's explosion might be more due to the fact that they had an ill-prepared launch pad. So it kind of sucked up all that concrete and the engine stopped working. But it's a big problem for, for SpaceX because when that happens, the regulatory body now has to assess whether their next launch is going to be safe for the public. So mm, it could mm, set mm. them back up to a year for launching that rocket again and trying again. So this person, that piece of debris that fell on this person's, what was it, car? Yes. Uh, was that actually a piece of concrete from the launch pad? A piece of concrete. From the launch pad. From the launch pad. <laughs> Traveled a fair distance as well. <laughs> I hope the person's all right. Yeah, imagine, imagine going <laughs> to the shops. That <laughs> was hit by Elon's concrete. <laughs> But also the communities. Imagine walking outside, yeah. it's just raining dust. Yeah, that's it's scary. Just dust know? and chemicals, and oh, it's very hazardous. Bloody Elon. Bloody Elon. <laughs> bloody Elon. Right in the light of Tesla finding, finally releasing their full carbon footprint. They released some of their carbon gas emissions, but a lot of the carbon uh, footprint that big corporations have is actually indirect. Um, indirect uh, participation in global warming. This was indirectly yeah. done. And uh, when they considered that, it turns out Tesla has way, uh, a way bigger carbon footprint than was once anticipated or at least referenced by them. So that's something that they, they need to address. And, and I can imagine SpaceX with their rockets and <laughs> that can't be adding good carbon sure. to the atmosphere. Either. No. And uh, that seems to be it for this week, Kane. It is this that it that, that it is. That it <laughs> Can is. you believe it? <laughs> and and we'll end it off with just one last thing, right? Yes. Meta had an earnings call, and this was a comment that was made by someone on the verge that I found very funny. So it says AI was mentioned more than two hundred times on earnings calls by Meta, and Microsoft and Alphabet with Meta, Microsoft and Alphabet this week. Uh, times are hard for big tech, but the big three are certain there's money in. Uh, machine learning models and then he made a joke and the more you mention ai the more revenue it generates right <laughs> <laughs> which is so fitting yeah. good way to close it off it is kane thank you so much uh, that's uh, another week's uh, tech plus oh it's the final one for april wow because monday is the first of may wow are you working on monday the first of may no it's a public holiday for good me. yeah i'm just checking and the following monday we work on uk bank holidays oh so oh okay on monday uk will also be taking a day lacquer lacquer <laughs> <laughs> thank you kane enjoy the rest of your weekend and we'll see you next week same time same place thanks so much for having me and thanks to all of our listeners see you next week bye-bye I wouldn't start a fight You could have my liquor Take my dinner, take my fun My birthday cake, my soul, my dog Take everything I love But oh, one thing I'm never gonna do Is throw away my dancing shoes And oh, Lord, don't try me really not tonight
Let me know. Am I 